You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The end of another streak, the debut of a new Philadelphia Flyer, What's the outrage this week for Flyers fans? Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 111 of Orange and Back Check. So glad you are here. Man, I mean, this season, when we're talking about things like an Ironman streak and the loyalty to a guy that has played 67 games for us up until last night, uh, Scott Weinhardt, please make sense of this. Keith Yandel and, and just me trying to wrap my head around why I should care about Keith Yandel's Iron Man streak. Uh, it is a pretty, I would say, not not prestigious because it's not like an award, but to play 989 games in a row when you play 82 game seasons for the most part. You know, a lot of back-to-backs when you're a productive player for the most part where you can avoid injury for um, 13 years, practically. Um, I believe it was March 2009 that the last time he did not play a game. I I, I think it's a hell of a record. Uh, Phil Kessel probably will beat him now because uh, there's uh, right behind him now. Phil Kessel, I think he's at. He just hit 965 a couple days ago. Um, so he, there, he, there's just enough games in the season where he might beat him out. Uh, in, it's a sad thing if for Keith Yandel, but at the same time, an absolutely necessary thing for the Philadelphia Flyers to get some younger players in the lineup here and look forward to the Yeah, future. and you saw you saw the debut of Ronnie Atard. Yeah, of Ronnie Atard. Um, I mean, this is this is what you do when you're. I think the timing is what people are like. Okay, that's weird. Uh, for, when it comes to Keith Yandel, because not only are we talking about a team that had just been eliminated the night, the prior game in, against the Minnesota wild uh, to be officially eliminated from the playoffs. It took this long to actually right. get to that point. Right. Um, but then you're also, so you have that factor in, and then you also say to yourself, well, this guy's also at not like we just celebrated Claude Giroux's 1000th game. And I'm not comparing the two, but we're, we're talking about a thousand games for Claude Giroux, just in, in the span of his career for the flyers. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a guy that's only 11 games away from a thousand games total, not missed. Like that's a pretty astronomical number, number, as you said, it's not prestigious. It's just pretty impressive, especially when Phil Kessels is going to break it, whether it's at the end of this season or early next season. Correct. 
I I don't understand. I think what everyone again, I, what I said was I think what everyone is freaking out about is the timing of it, because let's not beat around the bush here. Keith Yandel has been a, more of a liability than an asset for this roster uh, pretty much this whole season. Like that's that's the bottom line. People have been calling for his uh, Iron Man streak to end for the longest time because for some reason we thought, well, Keith Yandel's the sole problem give another guy a chance, whatever, whoever that may be, not necessarily running as hard. Cam York obviously comes to mind, who's now obviously in the lineup as well. Mm-hmm. But that's that's where it comes to. Anyone that that thinks that Keith Yandel's scratching in game 30 or whatever you want to, whatever number you want to put on it, uh, doesn't save this season. Like that's not how, that's not what would have gotten them in playoff contention uh, it, it was just a everything else could have gone wrong, went wrong. Keith Yandel's not at fault. We also right. don't have any liability or loyalty, I should say, to Keith Yandel. And that's what it comes down to. Well, I think people freaking out about it is a little bit overblown. I mean, the guy is minus 39 on season, minus yeah. 39 as a defenseman. Like, it's time. Like, sorry. Like, it's time. Like, we, the Flyers at this point, we have to get out of this mentality of like, oh, we have to keep honoring this guy because it's thousand games played. Like, okay. I can understand that point. I can be empathetic towards that. Like, yeah, that'd be quite the accomplishment for a guy to play a thousand games in a row and get that record. But that's 11 games that you don't see a guy like Ronnie Adder. You don't see Cam York. You don't see Nate Sealer, who's been, while he is, has, you know, been called upon to play a, better, a bigger role than he was supposed to be, play the left side because they want to see what he's done, what he can do there. Um, and, and do a little more as far as if he's worth bringing back or not next season. So, and he's another guy who's been just embattled and done everything they asked for. Like Kyle yep. Kanat and, you know, if they want to bring him back, they they know what Keith Yandel is. They know they're not going to bring him back next season. And, and for all chance thing, I, I see, I probably would think Keith Yandel might end up actually wind up retiring just by the looks of it. I mean, listen, you're not going to play another 989 games in a row. Yep. You know, you had a really, really bad season. You're on a one-year deal, less than a million dollars. When you had some pedigree a couple of years ago, you know, he might be a time to a point where it's just like, yeah, just time to move on. Because what team is going to want to pick him up into the season? I don't see. I don't. He does, I don't he, know. He doesn't offer any asset to you now. Yeah, a power team. play team. A power play team would take him. That's it. But at 35, you know, you're right. going to play him. In, you're going to put him in the lineup each night just to play on the power play. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough out of him on the power play this year to really justify that. So no, you can't, especially on a, a like, let's say the average penalty time is what six to seven minutes of a game. Like yeah. you can't justify that even at the league right. minimum for a guy like Keith Yandel. Right. And then the veteran minimum minimum too. I, I just, I don't see, I understand the big deal. Why people would say, how dare you? But you also need to start looking at younger players because you have a younger yep. player, you have a younger team right now, and you got to figure out what steps you're going to do here in the offseason, where you really need some holes, where guys can play at. The Fire Experiment Center is going okay, but you really need to shore up your day and find out where you're going to be doing in the offseason here. Yeah, it, it, it all comes down to just the timing. And that's what, that's really what it, that's really all I land on. Um, the other stuff that, uh, and, and honestly, Nobody was looking other than my dumbass moment on April Fool's Day, <laughs> believing that the Flyers. Yeah, damn yeah you, you're an idiot. Damn, damn you at Dr. Uh, Dr. E- Dr. Evil Gritty. Yeah. Like, F you, man. 
I can't believe like it. Look, looking back on that, it's obvious it was clearly a fake account or a fake graphic and it wasn't well done. But I fell no, for it. It was well done. It was I, very I well done. I fell for it. I fell for it very quickly, very yes. easily. I I was working, obviously, that was in the during the morning. So I'm doing my the radio show. And oh my God, I audibly screamed in my studio, are you effing kidding me? Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Let's go obviously. to the archives here. Yeah, let's, please do. Let's, let's go. Uh, and they all, and he tried to do it again, but this time he tried to uh, do a fake uh, contract extension for Claude down in Florida, which okay. I immediately caught on to. I was like, there's no way. Uh, and I immediately looked at the Twitter handle, not the graphic, and it, it bolded well. So you only got yep. me once, Dr. Evil Gritty. Not falling for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's look uh, at this. Let's see. Keith Candle defenseman. And then oh, it, it, the text to me goes, this team, man. I glanced at it once. I said, there's no way that's even remotely. Without even looking, when I mean, yeah. knowing his April full, as soon as I look at it, I said, there's no way. Because he's on a one-year $900,000 deal. Yep. I knew just looking at the money that the terms weren't going to be that that huge. So, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, what, were, what were the terms that he tweeted out? Two years, four million dollars. Oh, okay. yeah, that, that that's not real. I, I just, I just glanced at it, <laughs> and then you sent me the disregard. It's April Fool's. I'm like, yeah, you fell for that. Like, Ima- imagine, on, imagine wasting two million dollars of your AAV per season for the next two years on a guy like Keith Yandel. I, I think there would have been an uprising. Like the attendance, yes, are, there would have been. Yes. There's already an attendance problem for the Flyers. Yeah, this would have put it way over the top. Oh, yeah, even more than it would have been. Um. But to your point about the debuts, as what what like we're talking about, we're at game sixty eight, so we're at twelve games left, fourteen games left uh, in this season for a guy like Chuck Fletcher and obviously Mike Yo, whatever his role may be, if he has a role here uh, for the for the future in, in Philadelphia, what realistic expectations are they looking for in those fourteen games with a guy like Ronnie? Uh, obviously, Cam York is still being evaluated. I think he's established himself as a as an NHL defenseman for sure. Um, but it's also about Ivan Provorov. Like we, we're talking about rumors for the last month and a half or so of what Ivan Provorov's future is. So, are you trying to evaluate him to get a good trade value out of him, or uh, maybe you can fix him? Fourteen games sounds like a lot, but in the grand scheme of it, when you're talking about eighty-two game season. 14 games is is nothing, in my opinion. But I, it's, may- it's over a tenth of the season. Yeah, you're you're looking at one, and really, honestly, like one a sixth of the season. Like for the most part, if you do the math, one sixth, one seventh of the season. Mm-hmm. So I mean, think about it: one tenth of the NHL season is eight point two games. So really, it's you get a you get a good portion, you get a good sample size there. I think when with, with the the team you have to look for is okay. How ready is a guy like Ronnie Adder to come in here and, and play? He, I, I didn't really get a chance to watch him too closely last night um, on Saturday night when the game was played. I didn't, I, but I, you have to evaluate him from a spec. Okay, wh- where's he at? Is he is his hockey sense there? Is his is his um, hockey sense fast enough to be able to process the play of what's going on? Um, how ready is he physically? Uh, does he make the smart play? Is he hesitant with the puck? Is he moving the puck? Is he making the smart play? All those little things. A guy might be very close to being ready, but might need some fine tuning down to AHL just to just to get used to the speed. Really, for these guys, they know how to play the game. It's just a matter of speed. 
is he is he ready for that yet? Is this a guy where we can obviously probably use him as maybe a five, six, seven next season or go out and get somebody? That's that's ultimately what you're looking for. And you want to give these guys because also at the same time you want to develop some chemistry as well. Um, you know, look at a guy like Owen Tippett. A lot of people are probably starting you know, sooner or later gonna start bashing Owen Tippett because he hasn't scored yet. Well, let's look at some of the factors. She's playing with a guy like Morgan Frost, who's also developing and trying to establish his way as a centerman. They don't have Scott Lawton. Kevin Hayes has been on fire, but Kevin Hayes is your top center right now. Joel Farabee's moved to center as an experiment to kind of see if that's going to work. I'm not, he's held his own. I just don't think he's going to be a reliable center full-time, but it's something they can go to if, if down the line it doesn't work out. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to start dogging Tippett, I think, at some point if he doesn't score his first goal, but it's it's not just on him. When you're a winger, you need to you need to send him in to play with. So there are yeah. all these things their team is evaluating to kind of see exactly what's going on here because it might be that hey, next season we want to try Couturier out with Doa Tippett, and he might go on fire because he's got a smart, he's got a great center to play with. So yep. that that all those little things are going on right now because right now the focus is on next season. They were officially eliminated from playoff contention after losing to the wild. Now you have to look at the team and say, okay, well, we know where the end of the road is. Now we just need to go and figure out which guys are ready to play on this team as of next season, or we have to go out and get players, or is there another player here that we might want to, you know, move on from Um, all those decisions are being evaluated right now. That way they can go into a game plan in the off season and know how to retool this team very quickly. And realistically, like as as we look at these kind of things, uh, when I'm trying to find the phrasing of this, because I because I, I lean towards go as young as possible, obviously. Like, and I've been actually calling for that even before the elimination from the playoffs, because despite them not being eliminated, they were eliminated. Like, they weren't going to go on this magical run in the month of the back half of March and April and score and win every game. At right. this point. As you uh, mentioned uh, in our pre-show, they fought really well against the Wild. Ultimately, they obviously lost uh, the other night against Toronto. Other than Zach McEwen trying to fight Wayne Simmons, it, it, it that was as close as they got to being competitive with with Toronto, despite being tied. Um, I, I just it's tough for for fans to watch a team like that because. You're not get you're not playing for results. You're playing for, as you said, evaluation. So yeah, you're gonna have these nights where you're you're competing with the Minnesota Wild of the world and the Toronto Maple Leafs of the world, but then you have the wheels fall off because they they were going into the into that third period tied at two against Toronto, and then all of a sudden it, it's over and you, it, you lose six to three. So and it feels like well, obviously you just got dominated and it's and it, you did. But you expect to get dominated because you're dealing with players that you're not sure are NHL ready yet. This is all an evaluation period for the, for going forward for the these last four game, fourteen games, and that's tough to sell to fans to say we got this or like just be patient and or watch watch our games still. Well, I think one part of it is that the team is still playing hard. I think people have to take yeah. a look into that. This this is the team that's kind of new because it's without Giroux. They're still playing hard. They're you know, the skill-wise, they don't match up against other teams well at the NHL level because they have a lot of younger guys. They've been guys in and out of the AHL lineup all season long. With the Flyers, though, it, it, you have to look at it from a perspective of, is this team giving up completely? No. Are they playing hard? Absolutely they are. I mean, look at look at the Saturday night game against Toronto. 
They play with Toronto for two periods, really limiting their chances. Uh, Ivan Provar played a very strong game defensively, I thought. Um, Which is funny because we've been complaining. It feels like we've been complaining about him a lot this season. Yeah. And especially the rumors of late about him. Right. And he, I believe he had, what's it called? He had a, he had a goal and also an assist last night. So um, overall, I might have had two goals actually, or or going on a goal and assist because they flipped it over with Hayes. Um, But you look at this team and say, okay, there's, there's some promise there of a guy like him is stepping up. One way or the other, you're going to get something for him in the offseason or or you're you're not. Are you going to keep him in before probably more the latter because they're going to look to him to be in a leadership role. But with this team, we need to look for is that they are still pushing the pace, that they're still giving teams everything they have with Toronto last night. The wheels just came off in the third and it really happened on the goal where Mitch Marner scored. He just kind of danced around everybody, spun behind the net, found Austin Matthews open, and Carter Hart was out of position. It was just one of those plays where you – it was Mitch Marner. You're not, you're not just going to – you know, when you have Oscar right. Lindblom covering him, you're not going to do that. You just found a way to do it. But they competed for two and a half periods, and then the wheels just kind of fell off. Toronto started going off the rush and were converting. They converted a goal shorthanded. God, Tavares got another goal off the rush. Uh, and that's really what it came down to. It wasn't that they couldn't play with them. They just said they got, they got caught up ice. They couldn't get back. Toronto went the other way. Toronto's a very dangerous rush team. Really, that's all they have. If you ask me, I don't think Toronto was very impressive last night. Um, and they have problems. They're going to have problems in the playoffs. I'll say that right now. Again, they're going to have problems in the playoffs. Uh, but Another constant that, that, theme that we've been dealing with for the since the start of this podcast, the right. Maple Leafs having problems in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I but I, overall, you look at the team; it's like they, they, that, Toronto's one of the best offensive teams in the league, and they competed with them for two periods, so the wheels fall off. And I wouldn't say the wheels fall off; they just they got caught in Toronto and found a way to counter and cashed in on their chances. You want to see that? You want to see that fight though for a long time? And I thought the Flyers do that, and that's that is promising. It is promising to see that. Uh, if we could go one week without off the ice drama, not obviously Keith Yandel was the off the ice drama this week, but the other stuff that popped up was Jake Voracek, former Philadelphia flyer. Um, I think he was on Andy. Was he on Andy? I think Strickland, it came in. Yeah. I think he was. Yeah. He was on it with Andy and raw, uh, Rano and man. Oh, I'm sorry. He was, he did an interview with, um, in, in, che- in Czechoslovakia. In, in Czechoslovakia, correct. Yeah. In Czech Republic, uh, excuse me. Not Czech Sorry, they, they were the ones Republic. that tweeted out the exchange correct. that I'm looking at. Uh, it, it, it ranged about, obviously, his time going down in, in Columbus. Uh, they discussed even Claude Giroux uh, and what that, if he talked to him, being two Philadelphia fl- major staples of the Philadelphia Flyers core up until, obviously, this past trade deadline. Uh, and then he also spoke about his specific trade and why it, happened and this was the quote i'm just going to read it verbatim if you missed it uh he was asked what are the circumstances of your trade to it's a to columbus did your uh did you talk with, about disagreements with coach elaine Vigneault? and what was your relationship with general manager chuck fletcher uh to which voracek replies with there was nothing that could be done with the coach his ego was so big that was that unfortunately there was not much to deal with Chuck and I talked about it, and I had a great relationship with him. After the season, we sat down and told each other uh, that it would probably be best for both pro- parties to move on. I'm glad it turned out the way it did because I'm really happy. 
there's two ways I look at this. One way is Elaine Vigneault was a major detriment to the, to the team, especially after the 2020 bubble. Uh, and the, the players just weren't buying into a system from Voracek, Claude Giroux, all the way down. Whether they want to admit it, the younger guys, that they were buying into it or not remains to be seen. The other way I look at it, it is it, it feels like the same old uh, wheel, uh, wheel around that we've been doing this entire time. It's not the players, it's the coaches, it's the general manager, not in this scenario. It sounds like he's pretty high praise on Chuck, uh, it, but it's it's the same old roundabout way of saying, it's not my problem, it is the, the guy leading us. It is the coach leading us. It's the assistant manager, it's assistant general manager, it's the assistant coach. I don't know what, what I, I think Voracek is one of the most straightforward uh, athletes in the NHL. So I kind of do take it, take it at his word, but I still have a hard time not thinking like this is the same old stuff we've been hearing since the days of Dave Haxtall, where it's not the coach or it's not the players. It's the coach. I mean, that's been, that's always how it goes. And I, people have been arguing for years. Oh, Drew needs to go. And so he's been the constant, all this stuff, you know, people with that nonsensical argument, which I agree with It's complete nonsensical. Yeah. So let's take this back a step. The Flyers tried the thing with the new coach. They did. They, they did change the players. And when, when they tried bringing in, they had it before with, um, uh, with AV. They brought an AV. They brought an old school coach to you know, really push his team to get him over the edge because they really thought they were there. Did it work? No, it was like getting a nuclear bomb right in the face. Awful. <laughs> no, no other, no other analogy is going to, to, to fit that. Now you're at a point where you have reestablished the core where honestly you, you look at it, you don't say it's not the players, it's the coach. Okay. It, it was the coach in that situation, but it was also the players. You you can have one and not the other. And you, you really can, you know, it's, it, they're not mutually exclusive. You look at a guy like Jake was, was Jake part of the problem with this team? I wouldn't say part of the problem, but listen, Jake was never really responsible defensively until 1920. And, uh, you know, Jake had a lot of his moments. Jake had a lot of his flaws. Moving on from Jake, from his pass-first style and setup, man, to a guy get like Cam Atkinson, a guy who can shoot for and wants to shoot first, that's what the team needed as an upgrade. You also removed a core piece and wanted to move forward with that. But you can't say that it's not just the players. It's, it, you know, the players of the coach because the Flyers have taken steps to move on from those players. Over the past couple of years, they moved on from Braden Shen, Wayne Simmons, that all big core that they really did in the last rebuild. Jake Vorchek, another guy like that. Um, you know, now you have your different core, your younger core, where now the core is Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, um, Kevin Hayes. Or now, I, I think Correct. I think I think the guys that have a realistic chance of 100 percent staying on this team for uh, the next season are Coots and Hayes. Everyone else is a question mark of, of the players you just listed. Correct. So you might be you might be establishing reestablishing your core for a third, fourth time in the span of six years or whatever. Very possible. But then you're, it's not the argument of it's not the players, it's the coach. Okay. The coach was clearly a problem with, a, with, a, with AV. The coach was clearly a problem when it was Hackstall because, and a part of that was the players because they didn't have enough talent around their best players. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the and just issue- the we- and just the, his weird coaching style. Correct. Of, of, well, of- he believed a lot in, in small area games and stuff as far as his practice, which is like USA hockey style, which is developmental yeah. style, all that stuff. Well, yeah, but I, I'm like, I, I, if I remember correctly, like I remember Ghost having a slump. And he would be sat out for not just one game, which is the standard hack would have him up in the box uh, on press row for like three or four games. Like it was a very weird, like disciplinary system that he established. If I remember that correctly. I mean, I, I kind of didn't work. It did not work. No, that's my point. Like I kind of, at this point, I, I look at the Hackstall years as the super dark years. And I just, I don't like if it, it, not to rev, revisionist history, but like if they never, if, if hack, if Hextall hired an established coach and didn't take a chance on a guy like Dave, uh, I, I don't know where we are today, but I don't think it is as bad as we are right now. No, nah, no, I think you're just as bad, honestly. You never had enough talent if you want to go mm-hmm. back and be revisionist. I mean, it's a mixture of both. It's about getting the chemistry right. Like in that interview, you talk about like Jake talks about like his coach now, Brad Larson. He's open. He's probably the best relationship you can have with a coach. That's like a John Stevens type coach where you're a player's coach. You're not like a guy who's really going to put, you know, push you and, and, and really and not not push you per se, but really get on your and ride you. And well, ride, in that ride sense, like I th- Peter Lavi Letstyle or Craig Berube or, or other guys like that. I think he I, I wonder if he would have been uh, what the relationship would have been if he was here for Mike Yo, whether an entire season or whatever the case may be. I, I, I'm curious how that relationship would have gone. Well, I mean, he what Mike Yo was here. He was an assistant. But yeah, but I'm talking about I, obviously, the puck. Yeah. Assistant coaches are assistant coaches like you can go back and look at history, too, and, and see like teams that players uh, or coaches that are just strictly assistant coaches. They're not head coach guys. Like they're not guys who run the whole team and stuff like that. The Flyers made the mistake when they run on um, Wayne Cashman as head coach after they fired Terry Murray after the 97 final. Wayne Cashman was head coach, but he wasn't a head coach guy. And he really wasn't. And he, he went back to being an assistant and it was uh, Roger Nielsen who was brought in, who was a lot of, had a lot of experience as head coach. The reason I bring that up is that some guys, can just fit the mold that they're not they're not head coaches. Scott Gordon was probably that guy, which is probably why he never got considered after the the run they went on and stuff as well. They wanted a reset button there. Mike Yo, he's done. I he's been very honest. He's been very good. overall good for these. But I think they're looking at a fresh start. I would still think it would be beneficial for this team to bring him in as an assistant because obviously he's got some rapport with the players and some trust with them, and I think that's really important. Um, but the point. I'm trying at the point of saying all that is really is that you need to have a coach that really has that open relationship with players and, and builds up their confidence, stuff like that. Or do those guys always get you to the promised land of winning a Stanley cup? No, but the flyers are nowhere near that right now. And they need a player type coach, like a player's coach, a guy to come in here and really build that relationship and build these guys confidence up and really get them playing to their highest potential. And then you reevaluate down the line. If you're close to getting it over the edge and, and the coach isn't getting it done. That's that's kind of how it goes in the National Hockey League. Um, you, you bring in a guy who gets you close enough to the point, and then you get a guy like, and then you bring in a guy who gets you over the finish line. And that's you don't see the John Coopers of the world where you know the guy comes in and just builds a team, and then gets them all the way. You don't see that too often at all. There's a very short shelf life on coaches. So yes, a lot of times it is the coaches, but a lot of times the players too. But it's also like I said, they're mutually exclusive where. Not mutual, where you have to have 
they have to mesh. And if they're not meshing, obviously, like Jake wasn't here, that's problematic in a locker room, especially when you're around a guy for that many, you know, months and days and games out of the year. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the challenge that I think that Fletcher continues and will needs to have an answer for because because you're balance, trying to balance two things here on what your new core is going to be or what your established core should be is going to be, I should say. And if you don't think Mike Yo is the guy, and I, we're both in agreement that Mike Yo probably should be not the shouldn't be the guy going into next season. Um, and then you just you, you got to find that that you got to hit on two different dartboards at the exact same bullseye at the exact same time. If you're Chuck Fletcher, and I don't know again if he's re- if he can, I mean, just the based on his resume. It, it, it'll, it always seems to come up short in some way or another. And that's that's the problem I have with Fletcher leading this franchise. Now, thankfully, I will say his draft picks seem to be hitting like they seem to be pretty looking pretty good. But that obviously remains to be seen in what exactly we have in like a guy like Tyson Forrester, because he's the if he if Tyson Forrester is very good then then a lot of things change very, very quickly for this franchise. That's for sure. Agreed. And that's what you have to look at. Excuse me. I got my allergies are killing me, man. I apologize. Um, no, look, Chuck Fletcher has to hit a home run on this next coach, whoever it may be. He has to hit a home run. Actually, he's got to hit a grand slam. Like, yeah. really. Ha- like, you cannot go through another coach because let's let's be real here. This is going to be Chuck Fletcher's fifth coach already. Already. Okay, wow. So yeah. Remember, yeah. Because he started off with Hackstall, got rid of yep. Hackstall, then Scott Gordon, and then he brought in Elaine Vigneault, and now Elaine Vigneault's can, and now he's on like, yo, wow. four coaches. Yep. Okay. Yep. So while people are looking at say, oh, yeah, really, it was just him and really Vigneault. No, he's been through four coaches already. But so, technically only his second Second official hire, hire. correct, yeah. and which is which is fine. He's had two interims, a full time, and you know, and, and Dave Hackstall coming too, right? But you look at it, and that's four coaches you've had since 2018. Okay, so you have essentially one coach a season, essentially. If you look at it for as yeah. long as Fletcher's been here, yep, that's why he's got to hit a home run at this point. You've got to find the right mesh to get this team to the next level because, regardless of what's going on. If they don't have that stability, the Flyers brass will likely move on from Fletcher and really clean house that way. And you don't want that. You know what I mean? And a reason why not? Why, I mean, if, if, if like, yes, I understand what you're trying to say in, in terms of it's a disaster for the franchise. And yeah, obviously. But if Fletcher is not the guy, he's not the guy. You got to get I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about if he's the guy. That, that's not my point. You don't want to have an inspector. It's like, oh, he screwed up, and you know, don't bring in another good coach. We got to, we got to move on. We got to clean house with that. The problem I have with that is that if you have instability like that at the organizational level, then players are less likely to want to come here. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. attract free agency. It, this, the franchise becomes unstable because you don't have that. Now you have another GM coming in here and learning everything again and bringing in his guys. And there's too much turnover. What you need here is you need stability. You really need a stability. Like a like guy like Paul Holmgren, who was here for eight, nine years and, and, and still stayed in the organization after they, they promoted Hextel to GM. You still had that foundation there. 
I think it's really important for the Flyers to do two things this offseason. One of them is that they need to bring in the right coach. And that coach needs to hit a home run on their special teams because their penalty kill and their power play are god awful. And they really need to bring a guy in who knows what they're doing with that. I would love to see them bring back a guy like Joe Mullen. When the Flyers had Joe Mullen as their power play coach, they were always in the top 10 in the league, top five in, for years. I think that though, with Fletcher, you, 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 it would be really bad if this team got unstable in that department if it's upper management because you, you don't want that because it causes more problems, more ripple effects than what you would really hope for. Organizational wise, fans won't buy into that. They'll say that they're, they're that the Cleveland Browns of, of the, uh, the National Hockey League. You, you're, you're very close to that territory. That's why Fletcher, it's really imperative that regardless of the draft picks and stuff that he's had, he's got to hit a home run on this coach. And that coach has got to bring in the right assistance to make sure that this team can get back to being competitive and being good on the power play, penalty kill, and all three phases of you know of, of the game. So that's why people need to look forward to this offseason because there's, these are big decisions that are going to be implicating where this team goes in the next five years. Are they going to retool or are they going to get one more shot at the retool? If they don't hit it, then they're going to a full rebuild where we're just basically getting to the top of the water. We're take that breath, but sinking right back down. Um, and they're, they're very, very, they're very close to that. And it's going to be interesting to watch. That's why it's important as we go back to talk about from the beginning of the episode, looking at the young guys now and see, okay, what guys are going to keep up here next season, which guys are ready, which ones aren't let's, let's start planning for next season right now. Yeah. And, and, and it's obvious based on just what, Dave Scott once what Fletcher thinks he has in his system and in, in, in the organization right now, they, they do think that the retool is the smart move. Now it's tough to try and convince people that the retool is the right move when uh, your franchise is going to probably be on pace for one of its worst points uh, point conversion rate in franchise history, one of the worst. So it's, it's tough to convince people that, you shouldn't just go full bore and completely tear this thing down. And I think that's where you, we talk about a retool can take one year. It can take two years at the worst. It can take three years, but then you're getting into that again, uh, completely tear down and rebuild scenario. Can you, and I don't know if the patience of flyers fans will allow for anything outside of one year. So this is it. If if unless they do a complete a complete turnaround like we saw in uh, 07, 08 after the lockout, maybe something happened. Like, but there is it is not a good sign when you don't have the majority trust of the fan base. That's how I'll put it. If you don't have the majority trust of the fan base, your team is going to go nowhere very very fast yeah and it already blame, has i don't blame fans for not trusting the team absolutely but i still think that they're being a little more pessimistic than they need to be they, they got struck by a lot of bad luck this season really it's what it was it's but true you have ryan Ellis coming back you have sean couturier coming back next season those are two impactful players essentially you're adding to this team if you add them to that lineup now that could be very 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 big for this team going forward maybe I, I, we've seen videos from Jordan Hall. Uh, I know COC has put it out there of 
uh, Sean Couturier working out on the ice and to reco- get rehab from his back surgery that knocked him out for this season. Yeah, are we seeing Ryan Ellis on the ice? In a he's, he's he just had he's having the surgery. That's why probably they're probably just shutting him down for completely for next season. Right. So I, I know what I know what you're getting at. I I, I don't. I, I don't fully disagree, but it, it, to, to assume that Ryan Ellis is 100% coming back in time for the opener next year, I think is a leap because I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I don't because we one, we're not even going to find out what the injury was to Ryan until the surgery is announced, whenever that is. I, and it's again, why it, it all goes back to the, the Keith Yandel stuff. It all goes back to that. It's poor decision making at poor time or or poor timing. It's not a bad decision to to bench Keith Yandel after 989 games. I don't give a shit. Like I, he's done of all of those 989 games, he played 67 of them for the Flyers. Last the, the Toronto game was game 68. I don't care that from game 900, whatever the math is. I suck at math. That's why I'm in radio. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. 67 games. To stick with that number. I don't care about a guy that has done 67 games out of his 989 games uh, for the Flyers to keep his Ironman streak alive. Good for you, man. Proud of you. Awesome. Don't care. Like, that's where it really comes down to. The problem is that it just comes back to optics and decision making, whether it's I'm assuming it was a combination of Yo and Chuck Fletcher to make the decision to bench or to do a healthy scratch on Keith Yandel. It's fine. The problem is, again, why do we make these decisions so with our feet more than our brains? That's what it really comes down to. So if we're constantly making decisions on the, on the balls of our feet rather than a, a concise effort to try and make the team better, because we can establish that Keith Yandel was a detriment. It was a net negative. You said he was a minus 39 as a defenseman or something like, yeah, what, what value is that? That, that is worse than for a guy. Like here's what I'll say. Here's the hot take that I have for the day. Oh boy. Here it comes. Trading Shane Gosses bear was a mistake. Oh God. Look at what he's doing in a crap team and a crap market. Like Arizona, you're telling me that you would rather have Keith Yandel on this roster than Shane Gosses there? It was a financial move to get rid of that contract so you could get a guy like Ryan Ellis. Yes. I, I yes. Just, there, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Shane Gosper has 10 goals and 31 assists on the season. 30, 41 points, still a minus 12 on a bad team. Yes. That's more points than Ryan Ellis had okay, this season. Yes, he's also played 68 games as well. Okay, I understand that. But Shane Gossespierre is still Shane Gossespierre. We still would th- would Shane Gossespierre make this team any better at this point? I don't know. Based on the point production, yes. Okay, uh, point production would have won games. I don't know. Okay, because I pro- well, that's basically- what I understand about your hot take is that you want to sit here and say we've seen we saw Shane Gossespierre for years. We yeah. saw him for years, a good season and a bad season. Okay, that, 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 that that's what Shane is. No disrespect to him, like. We know what Shane is. He is a 28-year-old defenseman that has up seasons, down seasons. He puts up a lot of points, and he's not very responsible defensively, okay? Okay, he's an offensive you, you, defenseman. You we talk about the need sub- for them all the time. You brought in, and on the contract that he's had, which I'll pull up in one second, 
you brought in a guy like Keith Yano because you're like, okay, this is a guy where we brought in for a depth question who's similar to Shane Gasper style who can help us out on the con- on the power play. So with Shane Gossespierre. And how, signed- how much help has he had on the power play? It's one of the worst in the league in recent memory. Okay, okay. But you also only had him one year, $900,000, less than a million dollars, okay? Shane Gossespierre, at this point, this season, still had two years left on his deal, okay? At $4.5 million on the cap hit. That's a lot of money tied up for a guy who are using as a 5, 6, or 7, and even scratch at some points. So that's the point, is that you brought him in, you financially, yes, but he made the team better, yes, but the team would have had any flexibility to do anything because of his cap hit. Would have made I, a difference. Would it, have made a difference. Sure, but I, I think at the at the end of it, like Ryan Ellis isn't giving you anything. He gave you four games of five points. That's but he's impressive. on LTIR, too. So, I mean, yeah. it kind of is the trade-off there. So you, you look at this deal and say, yeah, oh, Shane Gossesbury, but a team would have been better off. Okay, yes, he's better than Keith Yandel. But financially, you you couldn't have had that. You brought in Keith Yandel to bring in that same skill set with Shane Gossespierre at $3.6 billion cheaper. Now, did it pay off? No, but it's not like you're committed to years on him still. If Shane Gossespierre had the season that Keith Yandel just did, you'd be screaming like they need to do everything they can to get rid of this guy because he's got $4.5 million on the cap and he's a minus 39. Okay, Keith Yandel, where we're complaining about an Ironman streak. That he didn't play, he played, he's played one season here. People are complaining about the Iron Man streak. And he's on a nine hundred thousand dollar year. Very little cap implication hit. Okay. 35-year-old defenseman. Your expectations were too damn high to begin with if you thought he was going to do more. So I didn't expect him to do a minus 39. 39 is is, is a beer league. It's your goals against average. Probably, probably still a little bit. It's probably still a little bit higher than that, honestly. So, uh, listen. Even look at Shane. Look at look at Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick was minus thirty last season. Terrible. Absolutely dog shit. Yep. Maybe they moved on from him. They're going to move on from Keith Yandel. It's done and over with. They they had to get that money off the books with Shane Gossespierre because having a guy play like if you had to play on this team, probably be more playing like Keith Yandel. If that's the case. Oh man, that would have been a nightmare for Chuck Fletcher. You had to give up a little capital, but you got that's how the game works nowadays in a flat cap world. $4.5 million off your books for this season and next season before he's a UFA. That that that's that's the move, right? That's a smart move. That's that's a financial cap move that you needed to have. So that hot take is absolutely absurd. I reject <laughs> it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's the third time this week we've referenced Billy Madison in my life. Anyway, just <laughs> note that note that if you listen to the radio show I work on. Anyway, uh, before we wrap, I, I want to talk. I want to do an update. I think we should do this until the end of the season, just because obviously the creme de la creme moment for this season was the trading of Claude Giroux. As weird as that sounds. Um, Owen Tippett, I think it, you saw immediately what he can give to you or produce for you as a franchise. Uh, he's very quick on his skates. Yeah. He's he's very he's very skilled with the puck uh, on his stick at, at, on the wing. Um, he clearly has a shoot-first mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is just nothing's going in the net right now. And I, I think uh, you, you put it well. I, at some point, people are going to start lambasting him for not scoring for this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... Again, no, 
nobody's watching the games, thankfully, <laughs> like, because, <laughs> because nobody's enough anyway. Yeah, not close enough to say uh, start really venomous criticism. So like, yeah, you want to see Owen start producing for this franchise and, and, and doing because I think he only has one point on the season uh, for the Flyers. That is obviously it, it's going to happen it, like it, 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 he'll break it open at some point. I, I'm not hitting the panic button. I'm not like waving the white flag that we've lost the trade. But yeah, I, I'd like to see. I, I'd like to see more from Owen. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think you need to do that. But I think you need to give the kid a little bit of leeway. Yeah. I think he needs to. He's finding his way with a new team. I think he needs a, a consistent partner to play with. I think with he's playing mainly with Morgan Frost, which is fine. I mean, they're both trying to develop chemistry, which is I have no issue with. It just that when you. You put, I think, having them center, it, it being Morgan Foster center, being a guy like Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes being center is a much hundred percent. I agree story. with that. Yep. So, um, I think you have you have to take full things into consideration. You can kind of get a sample size of what he can do now. Really, it's going to be next season for him. It's going to be the big thing to look at and say, okay, who is he partnering with? How yep. many minutes is he playing? What line is he playing on? How much of effective is he? Is he taking? You know, um, is he how many goals? Is him points? Has he had that? Yeah, and he's also 23 years old, so he's five years from his draft class, which right now is he's rounding out his NHL game, coming into the league now and being a full-time player. It's right at that prime moment. Uh, so it is it is important. It is key for a team right now uh, to, to take a look at him and say, okay, give him a little bit of space. Fans should give him a little bit of space just to kind of get in here, establish himself, new team. And it's also going to change again because chances are you're probably going to reset the coach too. So it's going to be a different system, different expectations, different way of playing the game, um, using he'll utilizing his skill set. So um, just enjoy what you have now and know this is this is a, a new skill set you didn't have, but there's a lot of speed, a lot of burst, true first mentality. Um, him and him and Cam Atkinson, I think, could be very dangerous together, but they'd play, they yeah, play I, the I, same I, side of the wing, so it's tough to do that. Yeah. Um, so you move one guy to the off wing, you might have something special there. So it's just there's a bunch of things they can look at, but overall, listen, he's got he got how many right so far he's got in his flyers career, he's got one assist. I mean, it, it, uh, it's it a is, bust. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Absolutely over. How dare him? How the player to flyers? So he's oh, he's he's got one point. He's a minus four, and his point came in the first game that he played. That's not the end of the world. That's just four games. That's seven. He's played seven games. You'd like to see a little more production, but you got to give him a little bit of more consistency out of that. Can't believe it's already been seven games. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, right? It doesn't. That, that's why. On goal. I, my, I, that's why I always go back to like we're talking about fourteen games to evaluate guys like Ronnie and, and, and Cam York and, and the like. And it's, it's wild to me. Like it, it can actually, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 14 games can get you a good evaluation. Cause seven games is a lot very quickly. Like that's, that moves yeah. up quite quickly. The other guy that uh, obviously the second half of that trade was Claude Giroux, our former captain. Um, I am more and more on the side of just no more resign, no way, no how of resigning this kid. Uh, of this guy, I should say. Uh, I think everyone needs just a clean slate, as you said, retooling, establishing a new core for the Flyers. And I think Claude just deserves, one, to go win a Stanley Cup like he sh- hopefully does with Florida. Um, but then just just ride off in the sunset after that. You don't need to come back. We'll honor you in a couple of years at the wall, at the Hall of F- Flyers Hall of Fame, and that's the end of it. But 
What what how do you think he's been doing down in Florida? That's what that was really what I was getting at here. Oh, playing with Sasha Barkov has really helped him out, especially yep. on the wings. He's got five points in six games with them. He's a plus four. So that's really good production overall for a guy coming in. No goals as of yet, but that's fine. Um, not a goal, like, as we've said, not a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. No, 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 no. And that's the thing is that now you're setting up. Now you're setting up uh, uh, Sasha Barkov and I think Carter Verhage. Um, so you know I, what? I, not not to interrupt you, and that is another sign you. that how detrimental we hindered Claude Giroux because we looked at him like a goddamn uh, goal scorer when all he needed was a true scorer. Obviously, you tried it with Voracek, who became a playmaker in himself or refused to shoot. Like, all you had to do was find that true scorer when he was six years ago, seven years mm-hmm. ago, and things would have changed for the better. But I Possibly. I Possibly. Digress. Who knows? Who, who, who knows? And that's the thing. I don't think they had enough team around him, and it wasn't just him. Yeah. I'd said for years or Claude, you needed to get a guy on his left side when he was playing center. Moving him to the wing really extended his career, and when they played with Katuri, that's where he had the 100-point season. Yep. That really, really was a smart move by Ron Hextall. One of the few. <laughs> actually, actually, he made a good a couple good. Well, moves. he did draft Carter Hart after. All. Yeah, I'm saying that. I, I, I'm just being facetious there. So, um, with 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 Claude, it's good to see him having somebody where he doesn't have to be the guy, and you mm-hmm. can really see, you can really utilize that skill set. I mean, Florida's dangerous, man. They're fun to watch. They were down They're in Chicago yesterday. They were down in Chicago like six to three. Came back to win seven six. Like they were down six three in a third, and came back to win seven six in overtime. I mean, that's. That's outstanding. That's the thing. The third or fourth time they've come back in a game like that this season. They're just, I'll tell you what, and not just because of Claude, you know, I'm looking forward to see what that damage does Florida does in the playoffs. I I just think that they're a team that they're just overall, they're balanced. They just, they, they went through the ringer for so many years, like the Flyers have recently. And, you know, I know, I know some of the fans personally in the sense of how happy they really are of how they've gotten to this point and, they have high expectations. They they went through all the dog days, and this is the reward for it. So yeah, when you're looking at the at the the payoff, this is they're they're not like Buffalo where they can't get over the hump and get it done. Uh, they're they're close, man. They're very very close. And listen, they're all in now with all the assets they've spent going to get Ben Sherratt, Claude Giroux. Uh, they're 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 going to be dangerous in the playoffs, man. Does it annoy you? Does it does it annoy you that the Stanley Cup might be staying in Florida for three years plus now? One hundred percent, it does. Absolutely, yeah, okay. it's not. It, it's not. It's not a slight against Tampa. It's not a slight against the the Panthers specifically. It's a slight against the NHL. Is that what? Especially now, and this and I'll just this is my last thing before we can wrap up. Mm-hmm. When you look at the league, do you think that in the summertime? when it's, it's nice and warm outside, that people are going to have their plans come about to say, oh, I'm going to watch the Stanley Cup Finals tonight between, I don't know, Calgary and Florida. Yeah. Yeah, in the North, you'll get some good ratings. No, not in the big markets. So for the league, that's not the best thing, but also your gates and stuff in there. Um, it, but overall, I, I believe that, it's good for the fan base there who have they've been like the team like Tampa who was the dog team for years until they won the cup in 04 and then had some down years after that. And then Florida, who really hasn't done much since 1996. They had a couple seasons there where they've gotten into the playoffs and stuff, or you look at 2012, the double overtime loss in game seven against the Devils. You know, they really haven't done anything playoff wise since then, you know, losing to um I think in 2014, uh, losing or 2015, losing to uh, the, the Islanders in six games. They, they've 
they are it, it'll be good to see them the fan base i'm happy for the fan base i'll say and they're it's a, it's a really good team and just a shame it, it's it's in a market where people don't get that knowledge like watching a team like on the west coast like the kings who have done really well since their start this season anaheim with great talent like troy terry and trevor zegras you don't see all that because they're not in the biggest markets they're not in the east coast they don't get enough screen time basically and that's part of the problem with league right now that it's so localized there's yep. not enough national presence to see how special the team florida is yeah and yeah that's my, I, gripe. I, that's my gripe about it being in florida people say oh my god the stanley cups in florida again oh well, yeah they're a good team though but that's that's the league's fault because they don't do enough to promote yep and it goes back to what you have always said like let players give more players an option to trade sign away get away get out of their home market or whatever they their yeah, draft you need more player movement you player gotta, movement you need to get the fans yeah. excited you need to get a national sense and you need to get those national personalities like you see like baseball guys football guys basketball guys when they all move around it's all big news and stuff like that like oh my god a baseball train right never right. happens like wow a football guy i guess guy signed here like even though he's washed up and over the hill he's still that big name that draws attention the nba like wow lebron james is going to los angeles like, wow, like the Sixers got James Harden. Like, you could know nothing about basketball, but I know James Harden. I know the name. Like, yep. I know he's a really good player. Oh, I've heard of that before. You don't get it's too a much of that in the effect. NHL. Yeah, you don't get too much of that in the NHL. Like, people say, oh, Claude Giroux. Like, wow, it's not the, the, the Panthers got Claude Giroux. It's the Flyers traded Claude Giroux. Do you see, right. you see the difference there? It wasn't that the Brooklyn Nets traded James Harden. It's that the Sixers got James Harden. It wasn't the Panthers yeah. got Claude Giroux. It's the Flyers traded Claude Giroux. Yeah. And so you're talking from a bigger market to a smaller market. The league needs to do a good job, a better job of making these things like, oh, my God, this is a big, massive move. Well, you got to understand the impact of this, all that stuff. But instead, it's that, you know, how they'll talk about Claude Giroux more than they'll talk about how good the Panthers are and how much better they make. I, mean, I just think the league needs to do better with that instead of getting out of this local mindset and getting into a more national mindset. And that's what they need to do. And, it'd be good to see Florida win the Stanley Cup. It really wouldn't be nice. But for the league, it's not the best because they don't do the good enough job promoting. Yep, I agree. Uh, do you agree? Do you agree? Uh, shoot us an email at orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Uh, give us your thoughts. Who do you think is going to make the Stanley Cup final this year? Are you rooting for Claude? Or are you anti-Claude? What, give us your thoughts. Uh, and are you freaking out because Owen Tippett only has one game or one point in seven games as a Philadelphia Flyer? Is it a bust? Let us know. No. Uh, shoot us a uh, follow also on our social media accounts at O Backcheck on Twitter, at Orange Backcheck Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. We thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are off next week. I am getting out of the country. I am tired of this season. I am tired of the Philadelphia Flyers. So I'm leaving. So I've decided to go to Iceland of all places. So off next week we'll be back the week after that and it'll be great uh i will look for gunner stall while i'm in iceland that is my Uh, goal yes that is who i'm going let's go shake their hands let's go shake their hands you lost it for yourself (laughs) have a good week everyone see you in two weeks